Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Hi, Patty. So glad to be talking to you today. Hi, Meg. Before we start, or we are starting, are we pretending that we don't know each other and that we don't talk all the time? No, Am I, I going to call you Miss <laughs> Wallitzer? Patricia, Patricia, <laughs> I love your work in The New Yorker. Uh, no, we I'm, a, actually, I'm a fan. I actually am a super fan. No, I think we're going to come clean right now and say, I'm really glad to be talking to you today. Why is today different from any other day? We talk to each other all the time. Um, and we will do a review of this afterward, I promise yes, you. Yes, okay. absolutely. We'll, and a reenactment and maybe an interpretive dance, perhaps, right? Okay, good. So you are indeed one of the funniest people I know. And I was wondering, when did you realize that, you know, the apocalypse, destruction of the earth was ripe for the Patricia Marks humor treatment? I have to tell you that when people say, you're so funny... I wish I had listened to my father and become a lawyer because no one says, you're so litigious. Do something litigious right now. I, I didn't open my mouth until I was in my 30s. So I wasn't really funny. I was not the class clown. However, I was always superficial and I always valued funny and being earnest was very embarrassing to me. I was not brought up in a sincere household. So if there's tension, I'm going to defuse it with humor. I'm not going to confront anybody. I'm not going to have a serious, touchy-feely thing because it's too embarrassing. So it was a way of just kind of deflecting reality. So the reality of this piece singing in the acid rain well, how would you describe the reality of the piece and then tell us how you got into it? I don't really know what inspired it, but humor, when it works, it's based in truth and authenticity. And it's pretty much accepted by everybody I like and know that what's going on with the planet is sucky. But I also think, and this is sort of my point of view in life, not everybody's, that people kind of are the same people no matter what the circumstances are. And third grade is going to be third grade, and children don't know any different. So I thought, wouldn't it be rich and possibly funny to explore what a third grade class with kids who don't know that it used to be better are like? And I, I just love that kind of cheerfulness of a third grade teacher. Where did that sort of manically cheerful teacher voice come from? Is that part of you or teachers you've had? My third grade teacher wasn't like that. I believe she might have had a nervous breakdown in the middle of the semester. I think it just came out of the culture. I mean, it's an easy voice to do because it's extreme. And you couldn't get away with it, I don't think, in a novel because it's hyperbolic. It's fun to do extreme. And I wanted the opposite of what reality was. So it was extremely in the other direction. And yet there is some truth to it because, I mean, I have kids and 
having sat through all kinds of curriculum nights and having gotten all kinds of messages from teachers, there is like this need to sort of always be like your kids are in good hands and here's this exciting stuff we're doing. Absolutely. Yes. And I think in any relationship, be it teacher and student or in a couple, one person gets to be the gloomy one and the pessimist and the other is in the position of being the cheerleader and the optimist. And that's what a teacher has to do. She has, particularly in that world, a lot of kids that are terrified and you have to assure them that it's not. And so I guess you overreact and become manically cheerful. Well, it is very, very funny. Where do you stand generally about apocalypse in humor? I mean, do you love apocalyptic humor? I don't really like humor, but we can get into that later. I think that... I do best both as a creator and appreciator of dark humor. And it's hard to be funny about people in a perfect world having a perfect life. Happy isn't so funny as miserable. You know, the thing about writing humor too, and I started at Saturday Night Live, the bigger the crisis, the worse the world, the easier it is for me as a writer. So you can have a field day in the times in which we live now. Completely. But other people are too, and that's bad. Sometimes, for instance, Trump, it's so obvious that you are sharing the field of similar jokes with everybody else. Right, right, right. You can't put your Marxian stamp on it. Well, you try to, or I do. You and I talk a lot about when we were kids, like, you know, 10, 12 years ago when we were kids. This show is all about school. And I think we both are people who remember school well, even though, as I say, it's been 10, 12 years, which is Mm -hmm. a joke, not really landing big, but- um, I'm laughing a lot inside. Inside, I can tell, I'm, I'm crying inside. Were you popular? I was the person sitting in the back row, making fun of the teacher, but then at night doing the extra credit homework. I was popular because I wasn't cool enough to be unpopular. I was a follower, not a leader, but I was always in the kind of the clique. I was a goody-goody, so I did well in school. Easy to raise, kind of boring, I think. Though my mother had to interview her about me or something. I was writing an article about being on the lampoon or something, and I said, was I funny as a kid? And she said, people always ask me that, and... Not particularly, but you had a lot of friends, so you must have had a personality. Speaking of your mother, Mm -hmm. you and your friend Roz Chast, the great cartoonist, did a book together called Why Don't You Write My Eulogy Now So I Can Correct It? A Mother's Suggestions. And it's filled with things that your mother, Janice Marks, actually said, illustrated by Roz, How did you get these things? Are these really things she said? I will come clean. Yes, she said them. But I edited them a little bit. You know, one makes a character of the people in one's life. But it's essentially what my mother said. And for years, I've been quoting my mother, which sometimes worries me because then it gets a big laugh. And I want to say, 
but I kind of polished that. It's it's really as much mine as hers. But Roz said, your mother is so funny. If you could get a collection of things she said, I would love to illustrate it. And so we did. I once read, and I have no idea if this is true, and I don't know where I read it, but that Stevie Wonder used to keep a tape recorder in every room. So if he did like a little tune, it would get picked up. So everything would get picked up. You wouldn't <sighs> lose. So maybe that would have been a good way to go with well, your mother, Well, I right? did do something like that. A million years ago, Huffington Post asked me to write a little funny piece on the Academy Awards. I was in Philadelphia at the time, and I thought, I know a great way to do this. I'm just going to do a piece on watching the Academy Awards with my mother. So I surreptitiously took notes of everything she said. I had my computer with me, and my mother was watching, and... I'd say, so what do you think about Tom Cruise? And she'd say something, then I'd say, I didn't hear that. What did you say again? It was really like, speak into this flower microphone. And And she never caught on. She never caught on. Well, I think her friends told her, Patty wrote something about you. So you teach comedy writing. Mm -hmm. And would you say some people are just naturally funny Can you teach them to be funny if they don't seem naturally funny? I don't know if you can teach people to be funny. You can get paid to teach people who are funny. Truly, what I believe, and I have an expertise in myself, is that writing funny is no different from writing, is no different from being an artist or a musician. That if your student is diligent and does what you say for a long time, that student will get better. That student will not be Picasso or Tolstoy or S.J. Perlman, because I do think that is, uh, if not innate, it has to do with a voice and originality, and that you can't teach. You can teach someone how to edit herself to make it better, and things get dramatically better if you edit them well. What's it like writing for The New Yorker? I mean, being funny on a deadline. Well, notice I don't really do pieces that have such a great deadline. I don't really look at when my deadline is because it makes me too nervous. And then I'll get a call from my editor saying, you're supposed to hand that in tomorrow. Well, you had to get singing in the acid rain in before the apocalypse. The the world ended, Yeah. 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 Or it got better. I had some TV jobs when I was young and that helped working for David Brenner and they'd come in and they go, David needs jokes about the sixties. David Brenner for those young people, comedian big in the seventies and eighties. The seventeen seventies, yes. <laughs> Deadlines scare me, but on the other hand, they do get you working. What's great about the New Yorker is that They get it. And I don't know if unique, but exceptional to The New Yorker. They're known for their fact-checking department. So even a humor piece will get fact-checked. Do you get scared that things are final, that they're going to be there for the record forever? The New Yorker archive, where you can look up S.J. Perelman or John Hersey or Patricia Marks? Uh, Now I am. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry to put that in your head. Permanence. But, you know, it brings us back to the idea of the end of things, right? I want to ask you one final thing. Mm -hmm. You said just in passing at the beginning that you didn't find anything funny. 
Okay, I lied a bit. I do find many things funny, and I laugh a lot. And I find friends of mine, you, for instance, hilarious. But I'm not a fan of comedy, TV shows, and movies. Partly it's like, why am I bringing my work home? But it's also, I'm so familiar with the formulas. The formulas aren't funny to me. I'm appalled to watch a comedy with because I'm I'm just shouting out the top. He's going to do this. They're going to say this. I know. Or I finished the line. So it's it's also predictable to me. Plus, as we said, I like darkness, and I'm much more engaged when it's dark and it's horrible things happening. Now that's funny. Patty, thank you so much for talking to me thank today. You, May. Uh, while other people are listening, and we will resume talking to each other yeah. when no one else is listening. When we turn off the mics. Thank you very of much. Of course. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, essential plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.